This afternoon we will consider Baptist Catechism questions 68 through 70. Four questions uh, for your consideration this afternoon and this coming week. 68. Which is the fifth commandment? Answer. The fifth commandment is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Question 69. What is required in the fifth commandment? Answer. The fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Question 70. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. Lastly, question 71. What is the reason annexed or added to the fifth commandment? Answer. The reason added to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. I'd like to read Proverbs 4 to you in its entirety this afternoon. This proverb is all about wisdom, and of course, ultimately, it is about us listening to God's word and God's instruction, but it is set in the terms of a son listening to his father's instruction. Proverbs 4, hear now the reading of God's holy word. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that, your, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh." Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away 
from evil. This now the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. I've come to really love and appreciate the instruction that our catechism provides on the Ten Commandments. One thing that I appreciate is the breadth of the interpretation. Our catechism does not give us a narrow interpretation of each commandment, but a broad one. In other words, these commandments are teased out, and it is right for the Ten Commandments to be teased out, for this is what the Scriptures do, and this is what Christ Himself did with them. We are to not obey these commandments only in a narrow and direct and strict way, but we are to tease out the implications of each of these Ten Commandments, for they are a summary of God's moral law. A summary provides a brief account of something, but does not tell the whole story. The Ten Commandments contain God's moral law in summary form. They are meant to be like seeds that will sprout and grow. They are meant to be developed or teased out. The implications of them must be noticed. So, the fifth commandment, which is, Honor thy father and thy mother, does not merely require little children to respect their parents. Properly understood, it requires us to, and I quote our catechism here, preserve the honor and perform the duties belonging to everyone in their various places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Stated negatively, it forbids the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongs to everyone in their various places and relations. In other words, the fifth commandment requires us to show honor and respect to all people. And it is to be shown to all people, taking into consideration their place in relation to you as either a superior, inferior, or equal. So it is not only superiors like parents who are to be respected, but also equals and inferiors too, each in a way that is fitting. This is what the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and mother, requires when its implications are teased out. And where is this behavior first learned? Where do we learn to show honor to everyone, to superiors, equals, and inferiors? It is to be learned in the home. It is in the family environment where children are taught to first honor their parents. They are also taught, if they have siblings, to show honor to their siblings as equals. And they are to take this responsibility with them out into the world and apply it in every realm. The fifth commandment requires the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, and equals. Notice that the fifth commandment, brothers and sisters, is the very first commandment in the second table of the law. The first table of the law, that is to say commandments 1 through 4, have to do with our relationship to God and the worship of His name. We've learned all about this. Who are we to worship? God alone, not with idols, with reverence for His name, honoring one day in seven as holy unto Him. So the first four commandments have to do with our vertical relationship to God and the worship of His most holy name. Commandments 5 through 10, it has been noted, have to do with our relationship with others, with our fellow man, the horizontal relationships, we might say, uh, that we have with our fellow man. The fifth commandment, just like the first commandment, is foundational then. What is the most foundational commandment of the first table of the law? It is the first one. We're to worship God alone. And what is the most foundational commandment of the second table of the law? It is the fifth commandment, where we are told to honor 
father and mother. Where do we start if we wish to relate to our fellow man in the right way or to use the language of Jesus? Where do we start if we wish to love our neighbor as ourself? That great summary of the whole second table of the law uh, in the words of Christ. We start with honor and the very first people we must learn to honor are our parents. My time is very limited in the afternoon and so I will not expand much on this point. But think of how devastating the breakdown of the family is to society. Think of how devastating it is for God's moral law to be abandoned and suppressed within a society. If God's law is not honored and if children are not taught to honor God and man within the home, then we should not be surprised when that society grows very harsh and sinful. If we are to learn how to relate well to our fellow man, we must learn to show honor to everyone in their different places. And this is to be learned, first of all, in the home as children are raised, ideally, by father and mother. Notice that our catechism says that we must preserve the honor of others. Does this not imply that men and women possess a certain dignity by nature? I think it does. Men and women have been made in the image of God, and add to this the place that God has given to them in the world. Each place, be it low or high, requires a certain kind of honor. This honor is to be preserved, our catechism says. Does this not imply that we, because of our sinful condition, do tend toward showing dishonor to one another? In our sinful state, we tend to not honor but dishonor others, not love but treat one another poorly. And so honor is to be preserved throughout the history of the world. I'm sure you know that the weak have been exploited by the strong. And this should not be. And men do also slander other men. This also is a great evil. Not only are we to show honor to others who have been made in God's image, we must also seek to preserve their honor. So this may involve standing up for the weak and the oppressed and rebuking the slanderer to preserve the reputation of another human being. This is the way of sinful man. We tear one another down. We dishonor one another. We slander one another. This is not in obedience to God's moral law. And as Christians, it should not be so among us. We are to preserve the honor of all people. We are especially to preserve the honor of one another in Christ Jesus and within His church. Next, our catechism speaks of performing the duties belonging to everyone. When I think of the instruction to preserve the honor belonging to everyone, I think of defense. We must defend the honor of others. But the words performing the duties belonging to everyone communicates that we are to positively and proactively give to others the honor that is due to them. And so children owe their parents honor in the form of respect and obedience. I should say very directly, children... You're to honor your parents. You must do it because God commands it. And when you fail to honor your parents, you must learn to repent. That means you must learn to confess your sin to God, for you sin against Him when you dishonor your parents. You must ask Him to forgive you in Christ Jesus. And you must also learn to ask your parents to forgive you, for you have done wrong to them. You have failed to give them what they deserve as your parent. That is to say, respect and obedience and you must also ask the Lord to help you to not stumble again. Children owe their parents honor in the form of respect and obedience. But we should also notice that citizens owe respect to governing authorities. Congregants owe respect to their ministers. 
Wives owe respect to their husbands. Employees owe respect to their employers. On and on I could go. But I do love this little phrase. In their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, and equals. This little phrase helps us to remember that honor is owed not only to those who are over us, but also to those who stand beside us and are under us. Husbands, therefore, must be commanded to honor their wives. Am I now contradicting the scriptures which say, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord? Is this a contradiction of that? No, I'm only drawing your attention to what is said next in that same passage. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So, you should be able to see that there is a special kind of honor that a wife owes to her husband, and there is a special kind of honor that a husband owes to his wife. Yes, the husband has authority over the wife in the home, but honor is to be shown to all, as Peter says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you, of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's a threat there. Notice, if you do not honor your wives, husbands, as weaker vessels, as heirs of the grace of life with you, then your prayers will be hindered, is what the implication is. In a similar way, we can say that governors owe a certain kind of honor to their citizens. Have you ever thought of that? Governors are to honor those who are under them within society. Bosses owe a certain kind of honor to their employees. And parents are even called to honor their children. There is a kind of honor that parents owe to their children. Listen to these texts. Colossians 3.21. Here is a warning. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What is, what is this text saying? Children, honor your parents. Children, honor your father. But there is a warning here to fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. To use the terminology of honor, there is a certain kind of honor that fathers owe to their children. They are to bring them up in such a way where they are not discouraged, they are not treated harshly. Why are they to be honored such? Because they are image bearers of God. Because they are are God's creatures. They belong to Him ultimately and we have been entrusted with the responsibility of raising them. Here Ephesians 6.4 as well, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So a father has authority over his children, as does a mother. But that authority is not to be wielded harshly. Instead, fathers and mothers are to show a certain kind of honor to their children. They are to respect them as human beings, as image bearers of God, and they are to bring them up lovingly in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I, I hope you can see, brothers and sisters that the fifth commandment is foundational. It sets the standard not only for the relationship between child and parent, but for all human relationships. Honor is to be shown to all in a way that is fitting. Or to use another term, love is to be shown. And I'm sure you remember how Christ summed up the whole law with the word love. Make it simple for us, Christ. What is the law about? What's the most important commandment of all? What did Christ say? He said that we are to love 
the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. It is the summary of the first table of the law. What does the first table of the law really require? It requires this. We are to love God with all our being. And then what is the summary of the second table of the law? We are to love our neighbor as ourself. Listen to the way that Jesus summed up the second table of the law as he spoke to a rich young man who, by the way, we should note, was covetous. Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You'll notice that one of the second table of law commandments is missing. It is the commandment to not covet, but there's a reason for that. As I said, the young man was covetous of his wealth. He would not give it up, and therefore he was willing to forfeit his very soul for it. That plays out in the following context here. But the thing that I am drawing your attention to is this. After stating the second table of the law, the commandments of it, Christ adds this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to take that to mean that this is the sum of the second table of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the remainder of our time together, I'd like to briefly discuss Baptist Catechism 71, which asks, What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? Annexed is simply an old-fashioned word for added. What is the reason added or attached to the fifth commandment? This is a question about the promise attached to the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Do you hear there's a promise there attached to the fifth commandment? There's a blessing attached to it. In Ephesians 6, 1, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And then he adds, This is the first commandment with a promise. So what is this promise all about? Our catechism gives the answer. The reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. This little qualification, as far as it shall serve God's glory and their own good, is meant to keep us from assuming that this is a guarantee. Uh, No, this is not a guarantee, but this is a promise or a principle, much like the kinds of promises or principles we find in the book of Proverbs. We should not take this to mean that every child that honors his parents will live a long and prosperous life. No, life does not work that way. The righteous do sometimes suffer and even die young. Instead, we are to take this as a general rule. As I have just said, the Proverbs are filled with sayings like these. These these are not promises, strictly speaking, but general principles. Those who obey God's law, those who pursue wisdom, will be blessed in this life, generally speaking. Didn't you hear that as I read uh, the proverb earlier? Generally speaking, it is true, those who listen to the wise instruction of their father, ultimately the instruction of God given to us through Christ, they will prosper in this life. Whereas generally speaking, those who disregard wisdom and live a life of folly, they suffer. They bring harm upon themselves. Uh, These are not promises, strictly speaking. They are general principles. But this is not always the case. As I said, sometimes the righteous do suffer. In fact, I think that is one reason we have the book of Job. That book if you set it right alongside the book of Proverbs, shows us that the righteous do sometimes suffer. But with that general principle, uh, but, but 
But what is the general principle in this promise attached to the fifth commandment? Well, we should remember that the Ten Commandments were originally given to Israel as a nation. If Israel were to obey this law, they would be blessed in the land. But Paul does also apply this same law to New Covenant Christians who do not have a homeland. And to us, he says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here is the principle. Though it is true that God may have other plans and purposes... In general, it is true that keeping this commandment will be rewarded with good things in this life. Good things will come to you because the blessing of God is on you. And also good things will come to you because of the so-called natural consequences of your actions. Those who are rebellious in this life towards their parents and towards other authorities, they will most often suffer difficulty. Whereas those who honor God and their fellow man will most often enjoy the blessings that come with that way of life. And you have witnessed this, I'm sure. Indeed, this is true when it comes to all of God's commandments. There is a blessing in them. There is life in them. We do not keep them perfectly. We need a Savior, of course. But God's law is good. God's law is not burdensome. And keeping God's law produces good things, good fruit. Proverbs 4, which was read at the start of the sermon, speaks to this reality. It begins, Hear, O sons, son of fathers' instructions, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Yes, this is an earthly son, a father speaking to an earthly son, but you might as well hear this on the very lips of God Himself, speaking to us through Christ the Word. He's pleading with His people, My sons, my daughters, hear my instructions. Hear my laws. Do not forsake them. Do not disregard them, for there is blessing in them. There is goodness in them. If you would only live in obedience to my law, uh, then you would be blessed. A little later he says, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you remember her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I'm tempted to prolong this sermon a very long time right here and to preach this as a Christ-centered thing, for that is what it is. Who is the one who has kept God's law perfectly, who was attentive to the Word of God, who, who, who lived a life of pure wisdom? Who did it? Christ Jesus did it on our behalf, and indeed the years of His life were made to be many. Namely, His years were made to be eternal because of His righteousness, because of His obedience to the law of God. And, and yet there is this principle for us too. If we would only keep God's law from the heart, we would be blessed here in this life. We'll be, let, be blessed now and for all eternity in Christ Jesus as we trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. So now notice that this same principle in Paul's instructions uh, to us uh, is present. Paul says this to husbands. I return back to this idea that not only are parents to show, or children to show honor their parents, but even husbands to their wives. It's, it has to do with all of our relationships. Listen to this blessing that Paul pronounces upon husbands who honor their wives. He says, among other things, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Men, pay attention to that. Do you want to be blessed? Uh, do you want to be truly blessed in this life and in your marriage? Love your wives. Love your wives because he who loves his wife loves himself. 
Brothers, do you want good? Then love your wives with the love of Christ. And sisters, do you want it good? Then honor your husbands and the Lord. Children, do you want it good? Then honor your father and mother. Indeed, give to everyone the honor that is due to them. As I have said, there are no guarantees, but generally this principle is true. Keeping God's law does bring about much that is good and pleasant, and certainly it will produce good and pleasant things in the life to come, where we'll enjoy life eternal with our Maker and our Savior. And really, I think this is the ultimate point of all of this, our trust in Christ and the blessings we will receive in the life to come through faith in Him. Let's bow for a brief word of prayer, and then we will go to corporate prayer. Father in heaven, do give us wisdom. And of course, we know that wisdom begins with the fear of You, O God. Uh, Wisdom begins with us acknowledging that You are God, that You are supreme over us, that You have spoken, that You have revealed Yourself and the way in which we are to live to us. So give us wisdom, O Lord. Give us humble hearts that we would bow before You and submit ourselves to Your revealed will. Teach us what is required of us. Give us the strength to do it. I pray especially for our children that they would trust in Christ above all else. But also we pray that you would enable them to live a life of wisdom, that they would know your word, that they would know your law, and that they would have wisdom from a young age. I pray that you would bless them with this gift, O God, that you would make their lives fruitful now and in the years to come. I pray that they would bring much glory to you because they trust in you and in the Christ you have sent and they obey you, O Lord. Have mercy upon us and do this for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.